Welcome to the Eternal Family podcast class. This is class number 12, in which we take a look at equal partners. That line from the proclamation that mothers and fathers, husbands and wives, are to be equal partners. Many people haven't really pondered what makes an equal partner. This class is designed to help those who are not married in the search of an eternal companion to perhaps think about what would help them best in their journey through mortality. What kind of partner would be the best one to partner with? What is an equal partner? And for those of you who are married, it will help you ponder what your partner might need from you. It's wonderful to have a partner who shares in all of your likes, but there will be moments where your partner needs you to see what they can't see. Join us as we talk about equal partners. When I teach Jesus Christ and the everlasting gospel, how many pages of scripture do I have? Thousands, right? When I teach teachings and doctrine of the Book of Mormon, how many pages of scripture do I have? When I teach the eternal family, how many pages of scripture do I have? So clearly, each word is intense, right? And there will be some of the classes where we focus on one word. We did that once. We focused on the word central, that God keeps his plan central, right? We focused the entire night on the word central. So last couple of weeks, we talked about husband and wife side by side, right? Rib, the symbolism of the rib. And I would admonish you, those of you who are not married, the way you'll identify a spouse, a worthy spouse, is one that keeps you at their side. Not below you, or not below them, not above them, not in front of them. They don't make you go ahead and, you, and they follow. They don't lead you and you follow. It's a side-by-side relationship. Then we talked about children, and last week we talked about the role of father and mother in that home. And we focused on fathers and mothers are obligated to help one another as equal partners. And we've often focused on that word equal. Today I want to focus tonight's entire lesson on that one word, that husband and wife are partners. And let me see if I can do two things tonight. Those of you who aren't married, let me maybe help change your idea of what you're looking for. Because in my experience, you're looking for the wrong thing. I would guess most of you are looking for someone like you. I mean, with whom do you hang out? People like you. Who do most people marry? People they hang out with. Most people are looking for someone like them. And I understand why. It makes picking a restaurant easy or going to a movie or choosing an activity. But tonight I want to talk about perhaps a greater need and what you need in a partner. If I truly have a partner then what will a partner do? Now, because we're too big, this is something we do in a smaller classroom, but but we're too big, so just let me walk you through this. 
I, wanna, I wish I could have handed out a blind spot test. Every one of you have a blind spot in each eye. You have a hole in your vision in each eye. And there's a little test you can do to find the blind spot. The back of your eye where you have cones and retinas, where they gather to send the information to the brain, where the optic nerve gathers at the back of your eye, there are no cones and rods. So where there is an optic nerve, I can't see. Now I can find it. If I know, now I know where my blind spot is. So I, I can put my hand right here and if I stare straight ahead, my thumb disappears. I cannot see my thumb. Because I have a hole in my vision. But here's the beautiful thing about the human body. Why don't I have holes in my vision? Because I have two eyes. And this eye is not blind where this eye is. And this eye is not blind where this eye is. In what sense are my eyes partners? Tell me what that means in the sense of my eyes. How are my eyes partners? This eye does what? Makes up for the hole in the other eye. I can see where you can't. And this one says, I can see where you can't. Therefore, they are a great complement. They are partners. Now, allow me to suggest you all have weaknesses. In fact, your weakness is a gift from God. Book of Mormon says, if men come unto me, I will show unto them their weakness. And then the next sentence says, I give, I give unto men weakness. Your weakness is a gift. Because if you didn't have a weakness, you wouldn't need a partner. Now, in one sense, partnering with God. I give unto men weakness that they may be humble, and my grace is sufficient for anyone who humbles themselves, because then we can partner together. If you know you need me, we can partner together, and I can make your, strength, your strengths, your weaknesses strengths. But what if we read Ether 12:27 a little bit differently as a husband and wife? I chose as a partner someone who has a strength where I have a weakness. I am humble enough to recognize that I don't see everything clearly. And I was smart enough to pick someone as my life partner and eternal companion who is not blind where I am blind. Who can see what I can't see. Do you see where I'm trying to lead you tonight? And do you see there's more in that word than you've probably thought? I need a partner who is strong where I am weak. Maybe your best companion, maybe what you're looking for is not someone like you. 
Maybe it's someone who sees what you don't. And the great responsibility of whoever you do pick is to point out what you don't see. Now, let me illustrate. Everyone has a weakness. Let me illustrate the difference between someone who partnered to strengthen a weakness and someone who didn't. The Doctrine and Covenants is a a beautiful example. In fact, the first two elders, the first two elders of this church are a contrast on do you have a partner in your life or do you not? So turn with me to section 23. We'll leave the proclamation for a minute and we'll go to 23. Doctrine and Covenants section 23, verse 1. Tell me what the Lord says to Oliver Cowdery. Oliver, you have a weakness. Every one of you have a weakness. And Oliver's was what? What was Oliver's weakness? Pride. Beware of pride. Oliver, you have a problem. Now, Oliver didn't have a partner in that sense. Oliver did not find a check for his pride. Oliver did not do anything to fix this. And as you know, Oliver Cowdery was excommunicated from the church. And if you were to ask, what was the reason Oliver Cowdery was excommunicated and boil it down to one word, what would that word be? Pride. Oliver Cowdery was excommunicated because of pride, a warning the Lord gave him many years ago. And he didn't partner. He didn't partner. Now, let me contrast that. Ready? Go to section 24, the very next section. The Lord tells Joseph Smith, you have a weakness. Verse 9. Joseph Smith had so many strengths, but Joseph Smith had a big weakness. What was his weakness? In temporal things thou shalt not have strength. He was not very good at writing stuff down. Let me give you an example. We know how the Aaronic priesthood was restored. They were translating the Book of Mormon, talks about baptism. They go out to the banks of the Susquehanna River. Uh, John the Baptist comes. We can even quote the prayer. Upon you, my fellow servants, I I confer the priesthood of Aaron. Can anyone tell me how the Melchizedek priesthood was restored? Anyone tell me the words Peter, James, and John used? The story? We know it happened. But no one can tell me what happened. Because why? Joseph never wrote it down. He was not good at temporal things. Great at spiritual things, but not good at temporal things. Not good at writing stuff down. So tell me what he did. Joseph Smith, the day the church was organized, did a brilliant thing. Tell me what Joseph Smith did. From the day the church was organized, Joseph hired a scribe. My own great-great-great-grandfather was one of his scribes. Tell me what he was doing by hiring a scribe. I'm not very good. (laughs) And this is important. This is something we need to be good at. So can I hire you? And what kind of people did Joseph hire to be his scribe? People who were 
very good at temporal things. Do you see the difference between Joseph and Hiram? Or sorry, Joseph and Oliver? Now, I'm speaking to a group of mostly people who have not chosen an eternal companion. And allow me to just say, what you need, what you're looking for, is a partner. Maybe as you've planned your dates, as you've, maybe you've been looking in the wrong places. Now, I've, I've taught seminary many times. I've been around many high schools. I have 10 children. I was in high school once long ago, back in the 1900s. And here's what I noticed. Music people hang out with music people. The theater people hang out with theater people. The athletes hang out with athletes. And I began to realize we hang out with people who do what? Think just like us. And I think you can make that work. But maybe, just maybe, if we look at what the proclamation is saying, I need an equal partner. I need someone who is not what I am. I need someone who can tell me where I'm going astray. Who loves me enough to say, you don't see that clearly. Can I help you? Now, those of you who are married and those of you who, when you will be married, can I just part then? What does that mean to be an equal partner? Tell me what that means to be an equal partner. Um, I think it's also goes along with basically like decision making and such. Um, especially when it comes to, obviously, while you're in a, a marriage or you're in a relationship or something, you're going to want to talk to other people to, like, ask for opinions and advice and things. But it's also where, when it comes down to it, it's going to have to be focused between you and your partner on what the decisions are going to be. Yeah. Like, what you're going to decide. That it's going to have to be the two of you. Okay, that so... you don't have the other influence just going in and, like, messing stuff up somehow. Part of equal partners is side by side. I'm not more important than she is. She's not more important than I am. And we make decisions as partners. Keep going. What does equal partner mean? Talking about what we're talking about today, tell me what an equal partner is. I have the responsibility to what? See what she doesn't see. And she has the responsibility to? See in her body. Now this is, a, this, is a, this is a tough moment, right? This is a tough moment where I need a partner. I need someone who loves me enough to do what? To correct me. I need someone who loves me enough to say what you're doing isn't right or you don't see it clearly. 
And however you do marry, whatever you choose to marry, that's something that you need to establish is I need you to help me when I'm not seeing it correctly. Turn with me to the the Pearl of Great Price. I want to show you this. This fascinates me in the Pearl of Great Price. Joseph Smith said something that I have applied to my own life in so many ways. Pearl of Great Price, Joseph Smith history. Go to verse 28. Joseph Smith said that when he was young, he often fell into foolish errors. Now tell me why he fell into foolish errors. Because he didn't have the right kind of friends. He didn't have the right kind of friends who would have done what? What does a true, Joseph Smith's definition of a friend is for me one of the great definitions of equal partners. A true friend does what? A true friend will treat you kindly. And if they suppose you to be deluded, to have endeavored in a proper and affectionate manner to reclaim you, love me enough to correct me in a proper and affectionate manner. That's the definition of a friend and that's the definition of a partner. Someone who loves me enough to say, no, Bryce, you're wrong. And someone I love enough to say what to? I'm listening. Help me. Do you see what, fa- what makes family work? Do you see the gospel lesson for the family Have a partner, have someone who loves you enough to make sure you're not going to fall into the trap. Let me illustrate with one of my favorite episodes of a children's cartoon. Did any of you ever watch Franklin? Franklin is a turtle. Franklin's best friend is a snail named Snail. Now, one day, with Snail on his shoulder, Franklin and Snail are playing soccer. And their team, with time running out in the game, kicks the ball out front. Franklin runs and bounces the ball off of Snail's shell and into the goal. And they win the game. The problem is that that ball hitting Shell Snail cracks his snail, his shell. Snail has a cracked shell. And in there jumping around, he's in a lot of pain. Franklin realizes that his friend is in pain. What's wrong, Snail? Oh, nothing, I'm fine. And he brushes it off. But over the course of the next several days, Franklin becomes aware of his friend's growing pain. He is very uncomfortable and Franklin becomes aware of it. What's going on, Snail? Nothing, he says, and he brushes it off. Now, this is that moment where you begin to realize that your friend is in trouble. You begin to see the signs that your friend is getting in trouble or something's wrong. And I think you've all been there when you realize that one of your friends is starting to have a problem. So one day, Franklin corners Snail and says, what is going on? You've got to tell me. Promise you won't tell, says Snail. I promise. And he shows him 
the crack in his scale. And it's a significant crack in his shell. Oh, snail, you've got to tell your parents. That looks serious. No, I can't. If I tell my parents, they won't let me play soccer anymore. Oh, I don't want that. Besides, says snail, shell cracks heal themselves. It'll just get better on its own. Oh, okay, says Franklin. Now think about that moment. This is the moment when your friend is telling you not to tell anyone else. Don't tell his parents. Don't tell law enforcement. Don't squeal because that's not what friends do. Friends don't get friends in trouble, right? That's the pact. But is that really what Snail needs in this moment? Someone who will keep his secret? Is that what being a friend really is? So for a while, Franklin keeps the secret. He doesn't say, even though he's becoming aware that Snail is in more and more pain. One day, Franklin is talking to his mom and asks his mom about shell cracks. And his mom says, well, small ones heal themselves, but big ones usually take a doctor's help. And that's it for Franklin. So Franklin goes running after Snail and he stops him. And he says, it's time to tell your mom. And, and Snail says, no, I won't be able to play soccer. And Franklin in this defining moment says, Snail, this is more important than soccer. Either you tell your parents or I will. Now tell me how Snail's reaction, what's the Snail's reaction going to be? He turns around and says, some kind of friend you turned out to be. And the reality is what? Tell me what's the reality. In that moment, Snail didn't have a better friend than Franklin. Either you tell your parents or I will. This is more important than soccer. Now, do you have a partner like that? Will you choose a partner like that? Will you be equal partners like that? Will you marry someone and choose as your life partner someone who will say, this is more important than soccer. Either you tell your parents or I will. Now, guess how it ends? Snell tells his parents and gets it fixed and realizes that Franklin was, in fact, a true friend. Equal partners are the kind of people who say, let me see, let me show you what you don't see. And I love you too much to not show you what you don't see. I am very left-brained. I am so left-brained, I wonder I don't walk, just wobble to the left as I walk. I am very logic-oriented. You've all seen me. I'm very logic-oriented. The gospel makes sense to me. That's why I love it. It's because it's logical. I was wise enough to marry a very emotion-driven woman. She is not driven by logic. She is driven by emotion. And that woman has saved my life by showing me what I don't see. Can you imagine how two people like that are going to decide when to have a baby? What do I bring to the equation? What do I bring to it? It doesn't make sense right now. 
It's not logical. What does she bring? But it feels right. And she, in her very delicate way, has this tender way of saying, there's more to life than logic. Let me help you see it. And I have seen the world so much better because of her. She's wise enough to correct me. She has this very subtle way. Like, for example, just the other day, she was trying to tell me something and I was preoccupied. I'm on my phone trying to find something and she's really, she's trying to tell me something important and I'm not listening. And so she just said, I'll wait. Now tell me what she meant. What she in her very subtle way? What was she saying, Bryce? You are not listening to me, and I have something very important to tell you. And so I am not going to speak while you're not listening. So I will wait until you pay attention. And that was why that was enough for me to say, "Okay, thank you, thank you, Mom. I have a crack shell." And I put my phone away. And I said, "I'm listening." Because I have a weakness. I have a tendency. I obsess. And when something's in my mind, it's hard for me to think of anything else. And my wife quite often has to say, Bryce, stop obsessing. Right now, I need you to help me cook dinner for the children. You can fix the computer later. But I will obsess. And I have a partner who isn't afraid to say, You don't see this correctly. Let me show you. Do you see how it works and when it works best? Have an equal partner. Equal, no one's more important than the other. Side by side. At my side, all the time, nearest to my heart. I will protect her like a rib cage. Have an equal partner, one who doesn't put you in front or behind or above or below. Have an equal partner, but have a partner. Have a complement who isn't blind where you are blind. If men come unto me, I will show unto them their weakness. I give unto men weakness so that they partner with someone to make that weakness a strength. I bear you my testimony that the best marriages, the best families have equal partners who have that kind of relationship. My wife can show me and teach me things that I don't see. And she's not afraid to point out when I'm wrong. And I will testify a thousand times she has saved my life. The man I am today is so much better a man because I've seen the world through her eyes. So look for and have a partner. Be a partner. Marry someone who will push you, not agree with everything that you do. Push you and help you see what you don't see. That's, when makes, that's what makes family successful. Of that I testify in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.
Thank you for joining us for the Eternal Family podcast class. This has been class number 12 on Equal Partners. If you are not married, would you ponder your dating habits, your dating practices? Are you dating in such a way that you will find an equal partner? Or are you simply hanging out with the people who are just like you? What could you do to expand your circle and perhaps find someone who isn't exactly like you and is strong where you are weak? Those of you who are married, would you ponder what your spouse needs from you? What could you do to be a better and a more equal?